If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined today by Ricky Sanders as we continue our analysis of everything going on in the world of sports for you to wager on. You know, we're, we're talking gambling, we're talking fantasy sports, we're talking daily fantasy sports. Every way that you can wager on the future outcome of you know, sort of sports-related stuff. You know, we got we got Outlaw Tour, we got League of Legends, we have KBO, we have we have everything going on here, Ricky. I I have to say, uh, you know, the 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 global pandemic has really made me a more creative gambler, and has and has really forced me to to be more resourceful. Like I I'm going down paths of the internet. I I played a Brazilian challenger circuit League of Legends DFS slate, which is like minor league Brazilian. League of Legends contest on on DraftKings yesterday, so I'm I'm uh, I'm learning a lot about myself during this period. Yeah, and I was talking to you beforehand. Like I joined a FanDuel WWE pool with other people in the daily fantasy industry to kind of make our own DFS game where you know we threw real money in. So it's been a, a time where you have to get creative. I mean, you don't have your typical, you know, main three sports, but thankfully KBO and all these other fillers that you can pick and choose, like which ones matter to you. I think it, it gives you kind of a little way to do it. The problem is you have to like pick your groups of friends that you can talk specific sports with. 
Right, yeah. So, like, you know, in the, in the past, everyone knows the, the big trades in the NBA. You know, everyone knows who wins the Stanley Cup. And now, like, it's super fragmented, right? Like, you know, some of your DFS buddies, they just, they, they were like, you know what, we're, we're not going to play anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting out, I'm waiting for the good stuff to come back. And then some of your buddies are like, oh, no, I'm in on a NASCAR iRacing. And, you know, I, like, I haven't been able to make that step. I haven't been, like, just because I didn't even play NASCAR when it existed. And I don't have, I don't really have a first clue as to, you know, how to uh, be good at it. But one of the things that I have been working on is our fantasy football projections over at sportsgrid.com. It's one of my, my big, uh, you know, I just want uh, something I, I really love to do. I really enjoy uh, I really enjoy working on fantasy football projections. I really love playing season-long fantasy football. So have been uh, excited to get working on that. But due to the way that uh, these rookies shook out this year and, you know, kind of some of the player personnel moves, I, I am having a much harder time this year determining some of the rushing and receiving splits, you know, far more than last year. So I thought we would just go through and, you know, just kind of think out some of these questions I'm having while working on projections. And I wanted to start with the Detroit Lions backfield because it is a mess. So if you guys remember, last year, Carrion Johnson gets injured and they rotated through a bunch of guys in that backfield. And all of those guys, other than JD McKissick, are still on the roster. So we still have Ty Johnson, we still have Bo Scarborough. They not only drafted DeAndre Swift in the second round of the NFL draft, Ricky, but they also, seems like people are forgetting, they did also draft a running back in the fifth round of the NFL draft, Jason Huntley. So right now, technically on the Detroit Lions roster, as of uh, early May, they have DeAndre Swift, Kerryon Johnson, Jason Huntley, Ty Johnson, and Bo Scarborough. Where, I mean, where do we, where do we even begin here? This one's a mess, and it was a messy situation last year, even in the early going. I mean, like, over the course of the first 1% rushing market share, which was fine, but it wasn't like your true workhorse like we've seen, you know, at other places where you just expected McCaffrey to be well over 80%, uh, and you just expect the other workhorses to be getting that sort of, you know, when we say 80-20, that's what we expect for, like, the top guys. And because he was only 60% when he didn't have, like, a true number two guy there, it's really tough to project him to be the top guy this year. I mean, I think we we expect DeAndre Swift to get in there and be the top guy, but the question is if Carrion Johnson had the competition in the early going of guys like CJ Anderson, Ty Johnson, who turned out to be nothing, and JD McKissick, like what realistically is the ceiling for DeAndre Swift if he has Carrion Johnson as the number two guy? Like, I don't think you can pr- predict in the early going, meanings week one through eight. You know, anything higher than maybe 50% of the market share for anyone. And I think DeAndre Swift is likely that guy. But it's very likely like a 40-40-20 kind of split with potentially the 20 being the final two guys. And that makes this a really frustrating backfield. And it's the reason why on this show we continue to downplay DeAndre Swift. It's like you can't predict this system. And even in this system, I mean... Carry uh, on Johnson was, you know, half a fantasy point per carry. So 18 carries was not great for him last year, even when he was getting the volume on a per touch basis. So I just don't know what to make of this team. And I don't think you can project anyone on this team for over half the, the Russian workload. Yeah, I don't think you can either. And, you know, even say, like, let's say DeAndre Swift gets hurt or you know, probably more people would be thinking Leon Johnson gets hurt. You know, they 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 just kind of phase him out. 
I don't even think in that scenario DeAndre Swift becomes a Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey level guy who gets tons of touches because they have kind of always used a rotational backfield in Detroit. Uh, you know, I, I think they, they haven't had a 1,000-yard rusher since 2001. So it just seems like a weird organizational thing. And then, you know, Matt Patricia comes from the New England Patriots who basically always have a backfield rotation, always has an early down grinder back, always has a third down back, and they, they kind of have Ty Johnson and Jason Huntley there to rotate through on, on third down. So the way I have it split right now, the, the highest backfield share I have is is I have DeAndre Swift with 39% of Detroit's carries, which is the most of anyone there. But I mean, you compare that to, you know, even like even like Nick Chubb, who is, you know, kind of, they're kind of going in similar ranges of drafts right now. I mean, Nick Chubb is going to get 60% of the backfield work in Cleveland because Kareem Hunt works more as a receiver. And I mean, Swift is expensive in drafts right now. I just, I'm not interested in this situation at all, really. Yeah, and I mean, Nick Chubb is a guy we've kind of badmouthed a little, but he's been the number one graded rusher on Pro Football Focus in back-to-back years. Like, he is a really freaking good back. The only knock on him is really Kareem Hunt, <clears throat> and that offensive line is greatly improved this year with Jack Conklin, like the focus on the running game. So he has a really good setup with the possibility of, you know, the, the play-action game with all the options that are around him. I, I think the Nick Chubb you know, DeAndre Swift conversation is dead in the water. There should be no conversation there. Nick Chubb is head and shoulders above DeAndre Swift. He should be going well ahead of him. So, yeah, if that's like the similar range, I mean, if you miss on a guy like Nick Chubb, there's a clear tier drop-off from him to DeAndre Swift. I think it's a situation where you go a different position or just a different guy instead of Swift if that's your choice. All right, so our next situation, honestly, it's this this actually might be the most messy situation to figure out where the the passes are going to go in the entire NFL. And it is the receiving share for guys. We have, of course, Devontae Adams. I have Devontae Adams right now projected for 31% of the targets in Green Bay's offense. I think that might even be low. I, I it, it would not surprise me if Devontae Adams sees you know, 200 targets this year, just kind of the way that things have shook out. So Jimmy Graham leaves the team. He is now a member of your Chicago Bears. They have second-year player Jay Sternberger, who was a, uh, you know, junior college transfer. Uh, he played at the University of Kansas, but also played in community college. So, you know, we're not talking about agency. Uh, he barely played for the Colts last year after getting, I believe he got injured in week one, didn't play for the rest of the year. Then they have their, you know, rotational group of young guys who are still on the team. Equinemius St. Brown is returning after uh, leaving, after, you know, being injured and not playing last year. Marquez Valdez-Scantling had a really promising rookie season and then, you know, basically just evaporated last year. Alan Lazard has been in the NFL for, I think, three seasons, just got off Green Bay's practice squad and was their second wide receiver last year. Geronimo Allison leaves the team, so now we're talking about, like, uh, Darius Shepard, Jake Kumaro, uh, Josiah Deguerra, who's like the H-back fullback guy they drafted in the third round of the NFL draft. I mean, after Devontae Adams, where do the passes go? Well, I think there are three main guys that see the the next, you know, that they're next up in terms of workload. I think we're going to see a bunch of Aaron Jones in the slot if they didn't draft a receiver. I think that's got to be the plan here. Aaron Jones is a guy who's caught over 72% of his 
uh, targets over the course of the last two seasons. And there were times that he was running wheel routes and they were throwing basically fades to him in the corner of the end zone, which is really strange for a running back. And to me, it says that they have faith in him to not have drafted a receiver because I think in three receiver stat sets, we've heard that Jay Sternberger potentially might move to the slot, which I don't understand when you have Alan Lazard and you have Devin Funches. But I think Aaron Jones is going to see a lot of passing work and they're going to use A.J. Dillon as like a pure power back. By the way, A.J. Dillon was like a 97th speed score guy. Uh, if you look at playerprofiler.com, his best comparable in terms of athletic profile is Steven Jackson. So he's a guy you can pound the football with. So I think they're going to go with multiple receivers and kind of use Aaron Jones around the formation, which sounds weird. They might use him similarly to Austin Eckler, although you look at them, and I don't think you think like Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler are like extremely similar in terms of their skill set. I think in their offenses, we may see them used a bit similarly. I, uh, you know, I kind of like that idea right now. You, if you, if you feel that way, Ricky, you can get a pretty good discount on Aaron Jones because he is sort of being viewed as a big loser of the NFL draft because they drafted A.J. Dillon. And so I think people are thinking, well, he's probably going to get pulled at the goal line some. And, you know, what what happens with Jamal Williams? But if you are of the opinion that Aaron Jones' receiving work is actually going to see an increase from last year, uh, I think he probably is one of the best values in high-stakes drafts right now. Yeah, even if he just sees around 70 targets again, I mean, you could have a big touchdown regression. And I think where you're getting the discount is completely fine for Aaron Jones. I, I don't understand why people are just jumping off the bandwagon. I think there's there's roles available in this offense for both, especially when you realize like the dire need for a pass catcher. So I'm excited about the pass catching work. I still think there will be some goal line work. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see his goal line numbers get cut in half, but there will still be some for Aaron Jones. It just doesn't make sense for me that they would jump ship on a guy that scored you know 20 touchdowns last year. It just doesn't make sense. Well, you know, I mean, the the Green Bay organization, we, everything we keep hearing about them is that they they just want to copy the San Francisco 49ers who, uh, you know, just dusted them off in the NFC Conference Championship game in 2019. And their organizational philosophy has certainly been to just draft a bunch of running backs, sign undrafted free agents and just keep cycling through guys, you know, sort of uh, sort of as much as possible. So when we get back from break, we are going to continue to run through some of the big fantasy football projection questions that are going to impact your drafts in 2020, taking a look at the Ravens backfield, taking a look at the receiving share for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, I have some some strong opinions there. I bet uh, Ricky does too. So in just a few minutes, we will be back here on Sports Grid TV uh, on the Daily Roto Hour. See you guys on the other side of the break. Diamond Bets. When you're a kid, you like uniforms or you like the, the way things look. I always liked the Blue Jays. I liked the Lloyd Mosby, Jesse Barfield, George Bellness of them. I liked how Toronto seemed this this clean, fresh place to me. I don't know, I'm what, six, seven? I'm just listening to Rush. I'm making that connection. I like hockey. So George Bell represented a, a purity for me. That's going to be the Baltimore Orioles. The Sports Grid Network. DailyRoto.com. 
Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders. Right now, we are running through some of the big fantasy football projection questions in terms of, you know, how to allot rushing and receiving share to some of the really important and interesting situations to impact fantasy football drafts in 2020. We left off talking about the receiving share in Green Bay, uh, one that might even have a bigger impact in fantasy football is the rushing share in Baltimore. You know, if you have if you have the skeleton key to who gets more carries and uh, more playing time between Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins, 
that's going to be a really ideal situation in fantasy football. You know, they have Lamar Jackson to, you know, draw all of this defensive attention in. We, uh, I think Mark Ingram scored 15 touchdowns last year, you know, without even, without even really doing much of anything. It seems like Mark Ingram had a really forgettable season, but he just got to score a bunch of touchdowns because that's what's going to happen in that offense. So, you know, right now, how are we sorting out Baltimore's rushing share between Lamar, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill? I think it's mostly going to be from a running back position, Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. Wiped out to the point where we're talking like under 5% uh, market share, potentially for them combined. I mean, last year, Justice Hill, 58 carries, uh, Gus Edwards, 133. Gus Edwards was 22% of the rushing market share, but, you know, Mark Ingram over 36 I think we're talking between the two of Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins this year, well over like 58% of the rushing market share. I think we could be close to like the 70% range, which leaves about 30%, you know, for Lamar Jackson, just not much else. So if we're talking like 65 and 31, we could be talking like 2% rushing market share for Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. Now, an injury may set this situation off, and it should be noted, like rushing touches in this offense are much different. We talked about on Johnson. He was 0.6 fantasy points per carry last year. Every time Mark Ingram carried the football was over one fantasy point because a lot of it was in the red zone. You've got Lamar Jackson throwing defenses off. So just his efficiency per carry, and I think the same is going to be true for J.K. Dobbins, you know, is more interesting in this offense because it's a more high-powered offense. So I think Mark Ingram still edges out J.K. Dobbins in year one, but I think it's close to identical because I don't think they would have drafted Dobbins at where they drafted him to not use him in this offense. I think, you know, they're going thunder and lightning here with Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins, two very different styles. So I think they're both worth worth drafting. The question is where, and I think that will kind of depend on the touchdown share, honestly. And I think Mark Ingram has, you know, the guy who scores more touchdowns, but it is a little bit of a messy situation for one of the offenses you absolutely want and need to be targeting. Yeah, I think I think that is certainly true that, you know, if if Dobbins wins out and, you know, we're seeing like a 55 percent rushing share, something wild from him, you know, with like a 10 percent target share. I mean, there is a chance that he gains something like, you know, 1200 rushing yards and has like. 50, I mean, he could score 20 rushing touchdowns, right? If if their passing touchdowns regress a little bit, they play in more competitive games. You know, there were a bunch of games last year where Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram just were not even playing in the second half or fourth quarters really that much. So I think there is definitely room for, you know, just some some more fantasy points coming from more competitive games for, for the Baltimore Ravens. And their, re- their receiving shares are a little bit interesting too. Like, do we think that Marquise Brown becomes like a 100% snap share, uh, 20% target share type of guy? If so, He's probably a little bit undervalued. Uh, another another really interesting one is the Los Angeles Rams, who lose Brandon Cooks. Uh, they lose Todd Gurley, so we have a lot of we have a lot of pieces in flux there. One of the things one of the things they said was um, that Josh Reynolds is actually probably going to be a starter this year. I don't know if I expect that to actually be the outcome. I sort of think that the big discussion for, you know, uh, fourth in targets on this team is Gerald Everett versus Van Jefferson 
versus Josh Reynolds versus Daryl Henderson. Because I think the top three are definitely going to be Cooper Cup, definitely going to be Robert Woods, definitely going to be Tyler Higbee. And then I, I think there should be a big fantasy winner between those four guys. Yeah, it's it's not great out there because you look at like the skill sets of the receivers that they have left in Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And I think, you know, I, I've been a Van Jefferson truther in some dynasty leagues because Cooper Cup's contract is up. Now get him in the second round with the inclination that they're going to give him some sort of opportunity. But he's a slot guy to me. I don't think he's a guy who can consistently play on the outside. He's not a guy who's a big play threat by any means. Like in SEC play last year, uh, I think he had four plays of over 20 yards. That was it. And and that might have been – so here, I'll I'll read it to you. Four receptions of 20-plus yards versus SEC competition since the start of 2018. Uh, So it's been two years that we haven't seen big plays from Jefferson. So he was kind of a questionable guy to, you know, take that early anyways. And in year one, I think with them saying Josh Reynolds is going to be the guy, like to me that makes sense because he's the guy uh, who can play more on the outside. But there's going to be there, there's no going to be no clear t- you know fourth target. I think if Reynolds you know falters early on, we can see Van Jefferson get more play, and I do think there'll be plenty of two tight end sets with Gerald Everett. So I think the answer here in terms of who's going to be fourth in, in targets is almost like we don't care because I don't think it's going to be relevant enough to be you know to factor into fantasy football outside of an in- injury or two later in the year. I mean, we're going to see Woods. I don't think you're going to get like Josh Reynolds being the third guy playing 90 plus percent. I think you're going to have him switching. And I think they're going to be different sorts of formations this year. So I'm not overly enthused about any of these guys because of where they use the draft capital. I want to say Van Jefferson does get an opportunity, but I just don't see the fit on the offense. That is Probably true. Um, You know, well, okay, I guess I should say if there is a winner of this that matters for fantasy, it would be, you know, Daryl Henderson or Cam or Gerald Everett. You know, if Gerald if Gerald uh, if Gerald Everett is able to win this one, then you know he plays at a really scarce position for fantasy, and we'd be looking at a situation where you know a, a 13% target share at tight end in this offense that might end up being you know, the, the tight end 14 and fantasy or something like that. And that, that would matter, right? That would be a guy that you would have to pay attention to and own in fantasy football. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, those, those bench tight ends and then tight ends and, and, you know, uh, premium leagues. I mean, you always care about tight end 14. So I think the highest upside play probably is Gerald Everett here comparatively to his position. Cause I just don't see, Josh Reynolds or Van Jefferson really having that high of a ceiling unless you get like a Cooper Cup injury season, in which case then I think there's a decision here. And that's why you're taking these shots on these guys late because you're looking for potential ceiling. But the problem is there's still some unclarity, even if there's an injury. Right. Um, okay, another another situation where I'm having a tough time, you know, really nailing down the percentages, the Miami Dolphins backfield. And uh, I, I actually sort of think that this is going to be a backfield that matters, that is interesting this year, whereas it, it definitely... Uh, it definitely was not interesting last year, right? Because Kalen Blas just was not any good. I mean, we got we got some Patrick Laird games there at uh, at the end, but you know, it wasn't a situation where we were you know really mining fantasy value. The Miami just wasn't good enough this year. They're going to have two games. They are you know they have the defense is better. It seems just like a more 
productive situation in Miami this year. And, uh, you know, now we have Jordan Howard signed in free agency. Matt Breida, they traded a fifth round pick for from the San Francisco 49ers. They have uh, Miles Gaskin, Kellen Blage, Patrick Laird, all still on the roster. Right now, I am giving Breida just a little bit more receiving work than anyone else. I think I have him at an 8% target share, but I'm giving Jordan Howard 39% of the team's carries uh, to, I believe, 35% for Matt Breida. How do you see those shaking out? I'm surprised you're not like full-blown on the Breida bandwagon. He seems like a Davis kind of guy. Uh, the I do. I, I love Matt Breida. I know. I mean, just one of those guys who this point I mean there have been stretches of seasons where he's been productive but this is an 89th percentile spark guy uh Jordan Howard IU alum so special place in my heart but at this point in his career he's just like an old plotter who you can give the football to and you can probably give the football to in the red zone but I think overall Matt Breed is the way more exciting fantasy back here you add, you add the receiving work, which I think 8% is probably fair. I think he's got a ceiling probably into the low teens with Tua. Uh, it was good to see that they signed Tua to a five-year extension, or a five, yeah, I guess a five-year contract, because it shows that that's pretty much standard for where he was drafted, and there's there really isn't too many concerns about the health. So I think Tua has a better chance to play early on than we may have, have thought. Um, but I think Matt Breida is is the guy here. When you when you factor in PPR, the fact that he's going to see more targets and the fact that he's the way more athletic of the two, the way more exciting. I think at some point the cream is likely going to rise to the to the top. I think it's a two man backfield, but I think Matt Breida should be the guy before long. When you look at the skill sets, I just don't think Jordan Howard is anything more than a guy you run between the tackles. Yards. All right, uh, one one last one here because I know you are a Justin Jefferson guy. Who finishes second on Minnesota in receiving share? You know, I, I think there is a legitimate argument for Dalvin Cook, actually, you know, and just a ton of spread behind Adam Thielen. How are you handicapping that? Yeah, it's Justin Jefferson. I think that one's pretty easy for me, to be honest with you. I think they needed a possession receiver in the draft. I know Irv Smith is a guy that's ascending. That was a guy that I had saw all over Twitter. People were saying, like, if the season started today, Irv Smith is going to be the guy who's second on, who's second on the team in targets. But Justin Jefferson cleared passes. I know it was with a historically great offense, but he caught over 100 passes in a college football season, which is just crazy. And you need to fill the Stephon Diggs role. You get Kevin Stefanski out of there. Uh, I think this is going to be slightly more pass-centric offense this year. And it's pretty clear that you have two main guys with B.C. Johnson not being a guy who was overly efficient last year. In fact, he was towards the bottom of the year or bottom of the league. So I think this is going to be the Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen show in the receiving core as number two, even over Dalvin Cook, who should see a fair amount of work. But I think Justin Jefferson is your number one rookie this year that you should be drafting from a receiver uh, perspective, even over the likes of CeeDee Lamb. I keep saying that even over the likes of Jerry Judy. I think he's just going to be very productive and he found himself a starting spot where I think we're talking about a guy who's over 70 percent of the snaps from the get go. Well, Jalen Rager might have a little something to say about that. He might he might end up being he might end up leading his team in uh, receiving uh, not not in re, not in receiving share, but in uh, wide receiver reception share. On from the fantasy football talk and talk about the MLB season that might be coming up a little bit sooner than we thought. On the other side of break, come back for some fantasy baseball chat. 
Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm David. Joined by Ricky Sanders. In segments one and two, we dig, and uh, it's time to transition to something near and dear to our hearts, which is uh, fantasy baseball, because it it seems like we are going to have a season. It seems like we are figuring things out enough, you know, to the point where uh, there, there is going to be professional baseball played. Uh, the MLB has submitted, 
you know, their their plan, their schedule for getting a season underway to the MLB Players Association. So think think we're going to get some baseball, even in the middle of a global pandemic. I think that we are going to get some good old fashioned American baseball. So, of course, you know, us being us, we got to start thinking about how we can wager on these situations. And uh, we were, we were going to start out this segment with uh, some Royals bullpen chat because if you're able to uh if you're able to figure that stuff out you're going to be able to get a very cheap closer ricky yeah well we need to figure out like what happened with ian kennedy last year because he's 34 years old he's a guy who's been a starter for a lot of his career and he's been a guy that that has given up a ton of homers throughout the course of his career this was a guy he was all in fantasy starter giving you the strikeouts he moves to the bullpen because as he's aging, you know, the home run rate's going up, the strikeouts are going down, and all of a sudden we get two and a half miles an hour more on his fastball last year at age 34. I guess you could attribute it to, like, him giving full effort for one inning as opposed to, you know, having to save it for six innings. But there were so much here that improved. Like, we have to give it a look. I mean, Ian Kennedy at 34 years old in the bullpen – a career best 299 FIP. That's under three. That is just a ridiculously good number uh, for any pitcher. And in high stakes leagues, Ian Kennedy's being drafted an average pick of 200. Like the relievers who are going around him are Sean Doolittle, who's been a closer for a while, and Giovanni Gallegos, who's a guy who was traded for Luke Voigt, and I think is one of the better relief pitchers in the entire league, but he has some serious competition. And Ian Kennedy was a guy with a 27.4% K rate last year. So I think there are going to be a lot of believers in Ian Kennedy who posted his lowest walk rate since 2012. Um, again, that uptick on his fastball, he averaged 94.8 miles an hour compared to 91.8 for his career. Like this is a guy who you absolutely could say turned it around. But on the other hand, if he didn't, I mean, this is a scenario where it could be a one-year blip, and they added legitimate competition here in Trevor Rosenthal, who, by the way, has been a closer before. Alec Lewis of The Athletic reported that Rosenthal, quote, clearly separated himself as one of the, the team's best relievers in spring training. He posted nine strikeouts, no walks, and allowed just three hits. And I know Kennedy's velocity was up last year, but now he's starting to get, you know, he, he's 35 years old. We can we can reasonably see a cliff coming for a guy that age, especially one who just went through a year throwing the hardest he ever has by far. And Rosenthal, <clears throat> career 30.6% K rate at the major league level. He's coming off his worst year, but I think a lot of that had to do with him coming off Tommy John. And if he's healthy... I think he's the guy with the best clear closer stuff. I know Ian Kennedy throws that knuckle curve, which is, you know, difficult. But I think this is a bullpen where everyone's suggesting that, like, Ian Kennedy just turned it around. He was made for a relief role. Like, he needs to be that guy. And I'm not sure it's as clear cut as that. And I think Trevor, Trevor Rosenthal legitimately has a shot to pitch himself into this role if things shape out that way. And you can get Trevor Rosenthal, like, with the last pick in basically any draft. Okay, let me let me throw this one out to you, Ricky. Greg Holland, non-roster invitee, former former. I mean, 
Greg Holland is a hero in Kansas City, man. Like, like guys where he he you you know like face on T-shirt level. Like you're you're walking you're walking around downtown Kansas City, you will see people in Greg Holland jerseys. And I mean, he was incredible when they won the World Series uh, and when they were competitive when they made the final oh, when they made the World Series in 2014. He had a 1.44 ERA. Uh, 13k per night. I mean, he was an amazing, amazing pitcher, and then he was basically terrible for the last two seasons. But you know, I, I mean, one thing we do know is that first of all, we're dealing with super small sample sizes here. Like a, a good reliever season is 60 innings. A bad reliever season can be 60 innings. So I mean, do we? What are we handicapping the odds that Greg Holland gets? Uh, five saves for the Royals in 2020. I mean, maybe it's zero percent, right? Maybe, maybe he is completely dusted off. That's possible. Yeah. So the thing is, we might get half a year. So I think like two, two to three saves is I think walking under a two percent chance for Greg Holland. He yeah. has strikeout stuff, but as he's aged, and even honestly, part of during his prime, he's wild as hell. I mean, we've seen... Yeah, he was still walking, guys, even when he was good. Exactly. I mean, 2015, over a 25% K rate, a 13.5% walk rate. He's coming off back-to-back years um, with 15-plus percent walk rates. He's just too wild to trust. I think he's at least third. May I remind you that Kyle Zimmer is a guy they've been trying to groom to be that guy for a few years, and he's just been bad uh he was bad at the major league level they sent him down to triple a his results were questionable there as well so i think it's clearly ian kennedy one uh trevor rosenthal two and there could be like a scott barlow and other guys in between before you get to greg holland so another Kansas City Royal that we have to talk about for fantasy purposes is Alberto Mondesi because he is sort of the uh like I I would compare him actually to like a Joey Gallo but at shortstop where his K rates are so high but unlike Gallo his walk rates are terrible these are these are his walk rates uh in his four seasons in major league baseball uh 4% in 2016 5% only 60 plate appearances in 2017, 3.8% in 2018, uh, 4.3% last season. And these are, and, and he has a career K rate of just a hair over 29%. So he, he is not a good hitter, right? Like, I, I think that's actually sort of interesting is what do you do with guys in baseball who are below league average hitters, you know, career weighted runs created plus of 80 career Woba of 294. Uh, but, so first of all, he is able to hit home runs, right? So he still is able to hit home runs despite not being a, you know, quote unquote good hitter. He also steals a crap load of bases, uh, 32 stolen bases in 291 plate appearances in 2018, 43 stolen bases in 443 plate appearances in 2019. I mean, what do you do with a guy like this? This guy is going to drive me crazy during draft season because the upside is so obvious. Like, he can put it together, legitimate, monstrous upside. Like, I see the potential for Adalberto Mondesi, if he were ever able to get things together, being like Carl Crawford in his prime. Remember, 2009 Carl Crawford, 15 homers, 68 RBIs, 60 stolen bases. 
I mean, that's within the range of outcomes over a full season for Adalberto Mondesi. We saw it a few years ago when he had his best season and what we thought was about to be, you know, the catapult point for Adalberto Mondesi after posting ISOs under 100 in his first two years. In 2018, he hit 14 homers with a 222 ISO. Last year, he was dealing with a shoulder injury, so I think that kept his ISO numbers down, but he also was just brutal in terms of of his plate approach. I mean, you talked about the walk numbers, the strikeout numbers, uh, the line drive numbers are pretty bad, 19%. The hard hit rate numbers were down like 5% from the year before. So the quality of contact, I mean, you could attribute it to his shoulder, but like realistically, this guy is... Billy Hamilton playing shortstop. I mean, that's a possible outcome for him as well if he doesn't get better in terms of his plate discipline. So this could be a scenario where you could draft a guy who hits 230, steals 50 bases, you know, or on pace for 50 steals, uh, and isn't on pace for double-digit homers, or if he figures things out and it was just the injury holding him back. And even with the poor plate discipline, we're talking about a guy closer to a 200 ISO, he could be a monster. So he's going at pick about 40 in terms of ADP because he plays shortstop, which is a hard to find position uh, in fantasy. Literally could slash should lead the league in steals. So I think for fantasy purposes, you have to be interested in him He's a guy that I will be drafting, but I'm going to be plugging my nose when I do so. And knowing that I do so, hoping that we can get that 2018 version where there's pop included. And, you know, just hope that these reports of him trying to fix this strikeout rate, if he could get it down to 24%, I mean, I would be okay with it. So we could get someone who's got non-base percentage in like the low 300s. Last year, a 291 on base. It was just, it was just hard to stomach. So I think one thing you could say for Mondesi is one of the issues you run into with guys who are good fantasy players but not good real-life hitters is you have to worry about them being benched, right? You have to worry about them being harmful enough for their team that doesn't matter how many steals they get. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter how many home runs they're able to hit. You know, with a with a low batting average, you're worried about them getting benched. There is no chance that Mondesi gets benched. There's not anyone else. The Royals need to play at his position. They want him to be, you know, they would want to figure out if he can improve his hitting if they give him 600 plate appearances. He is, uh, he is oftentimes, you know, struggled with injuries at the, uh, at the major league level. So, you know, I, I think one of the things you're asking with him is, you know, what's the likelihood he gets benched? And, you know, you compare him to, you know, uh, some guys on like good competitive teams. I mean, I, I would basically say Mondesi is 0% to be benched or not play without injury concerns. Yeah, especially if we're talking like an 80-game season. I mean, he would literally have to hit under 100 for like a 40-game span for him to get benched. I mean, even if he were struggling, like they would probably move him from the 2 or 3 spot in the lineup, which is where I expect him to hit, down to like 7th, maybe 8th. But I don't think there would be a flat-out benching. So I still think you would have opportunities – uh, we saw them, you know, in years past with Billy Hamilton towards the bottom of the lineup, you know, still try and steal some bases with him. So I think even worst case scenario is he's playing and hurting you, which is bad for fantasy. I mean, if he's if he's only hitting 100 and he's hitting towards the bottom of the lineup, obviously you're not going to have want to spend a top 40 pick on him. But the odds of that are so low that, again, he, I'm plugging my nose and I'm drafting him 
in the top 40 and just hoping I can get, you know, pace for the league lead in steals and whatever else he does is gravy. Well, Monacy actually is sort of interesting that his his batting average is not terrible. Where you get the terrible batting averages is with the guys who uh, can't, the guys who walk, right? Guys who strike out and walk, they never get on base. But because Mondesi puts every ball in play, his batting averages actually end up not being that terrible. So we are going to go ahead and head to break here at the Daily Roto Hour uh, on Sports Grid discussion of 2020 fantasy baseball drafts because sooner rather than later, if Trevor Plouffe is right, we are going to have some, uh, we're going to have some professional baseball to wager on and we are very excited about that. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hello everyone and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here in our final segment today on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock joined by Ricky Sanders. Right now we are running through some of the questions that are facing us in 2020 fantasy baseball drafts as it uh, becomes clear that uh, week over week we are getting closer to the return of fantasy baseball. Very, very uh, excited about that. And uh, we left off discussing one Kansas City Royal, Aldalberto Mondesi. Now we are going to discuss another Royal, Jorge Soler, and how he compares to Joey Gallo because right now in the NFBC, which is, you know, the the biggest, most high stakes fantasy baseball draft, uh, you know, we are we are seeing them literally being drafted, you know, back to back right next to one another. And, uh, you know, I I think it's a a pretty interesting question to compare these guys. Ricky, which one would you rather have? This one is close. I mean, Joey Gallo is actually the younger one of the two, which I would not have guessed, you know, being that Jorge Soler was a Cub prospect who I just kind of thought, you know, phased out. Um, But it wasn't that long ago. At least it didn't feel that long ago. But Jorge Soler is 28 years old. And this is the player that we always thought he could be as a member of the Cubs. He, by the way, left the Cubs after the 2016 uh, season went to the Royals, and we got 48 homers and 117 RBIs out of Jorge Soler, who has now hit exactly 265 in back-to-back seasons. In terms of the contact rate, I think Jorge Soler is the better of the two. The question is, in Kaufman State, do we trust the fact that Jorge Soler is going to be over a 35-homer perennial, perennial hitter? And mind you that this Texas stadium actually got less hitter-friendly this year. Uh, they they moved, I believe, to another stadium within Texas, and it's no longer going to be you know as hitter-friendly as, as we've seen in the past. Now, for a guy like Joey Gallo, who has the power, power to hit it out of any park, uh, I don't think it's going to affect him as much as it may affect some of the other guys, but I think there's more concern for Joey Gallo that we're talking about a 200 hitter as opposed to a 250 hitter than there is for Jorge Soler. And like both these guys are very patient hitters. Both these guys have the upside to go over a 600 slugging percentage. I mean, they're just guys who put the barrel on the ball. I actually think I feel slightly better about Jorge Soler, even though Joey Gallo is like the top power guy. I just think in terms of an overall line, I feel better about Jorge Soler giving you a better batting average and giving you enough homers to be competitive. Whereas Joey Gallo, you know, we've seen in recent years that 200 could be the batting average floor. Uh, I don't know. I, I think these guys are extremely close. I don't really think you could go wrong. And honestly, if I had a pick where Joey Gallo or Jorge Soler was the best available, I'd try to trade back a pick and maybe get you know some equity elsewhere because I really don't have too strong of an opinion here. I think it's just a scenario where you probably can't go wrong and you have two guys who are maybe the most similar hitters like in the league looking at like one guy versus another. Yeah, I mean they are they are incredibly similar. I would go Soler as well, um, and I I do I love Joey Gallo, so I would probably feel bad about this, but I I think that. You could get a batting at like if if Gallo just ran bad over eighty games because you know it seems like we're gonna get a shorter season. I mean Gallo running bad over eighty games like let's say he has a, a one month long cold streak. We're talking about like a sub two hundred batting average, and it might not even cut like because there's not enough time might not even equalize out you know the the home runs that you'd be expecting to get just because it's eighty games and anything can happen. Yeah. 
I just want to add that Joey Gallo last year, a 368 BABIP, almost 100 percentage points above for him to hit 253. Right, yeah. So there there are real reasons to think that Gallo, like, it's sort of interesting. I think Gallo in a shortened season, because of that variance that would come over 80 games, he's the type of guy I think you probably would uh, would want to be avoiding because, you know, the range of outcomes over that time frame is really wide for him. Uh, okay, uh, a take a take that I had looking at ADP. I think that Jack Flaherty just seems like really overrated in the markets right now. That uh, that you know it just it is being really really valued, and you know we're we're not accounting for the fact that you know he's not some stud strikeout pitcher basically. See, I had that same inclination that I kind of looked into his numbers. He was a guy that was playing at DFS a lot last year because he was mispriced for much of the year. I mean, I thought he should be priced like an upper echelon pitcher. Uh, definitely not a ground baller. Guy with a 41.1% career ground ball rate. Doesn't walk, guys. I mean, with the, the fact that he's not giving up a lot of ground balls, the home runs will come. He's very good, but when you talk about it, you're right. I mean, 29% K rate is excellent. He's being drafted with that crop of pitchers that's about a 30% K rate, and I think there's a tier below, like the U Darvishes of the world, who I think will be comparable pitchers. So realistically, like if he's thrown out in an auction or we're drafting, he's just a name that I'm probably not going to end up with because of the price you have to pay for him and then the fact that I like that next crop of pitchers. But like I understand why he's going that early. The thing with this year is, is I think that National League pitchers are going to be slightly overvalued because it's, it looks like we're going to get a designated hitter everywhere. Like that's part of the proposal. So you look at Jack Flaherty, like if he's going to be facing a designated hitter in terms of ADP, would you rather have him or would you rather have Shane Bieber five picks later, Steven Strasburg six picks later, Luis Castillo 20 picks later? To me, it's pretty obvious. Like I would rather take some of these other guys. Sorry, Blake Snell 20 picks later. Some of these American League guys who are going to have to face designated hitters like he is, like he's not more valuable than them to me now if that's going to be the rule. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. And I wonder, you know, I mean, obviously there have been there have been a lot of drafts already done. And, you know, a lot of these NL pitchers are probably going to be overdrafted by around by by 15 spots because, you know, pitching in the NL, you you get a free out. It's just you, you really cannot overstate the importance of literally getting a free out every single time that you go around the batters like that is that is absolutely massive. So, you know, I, yeah. I think that is I think that is worth noting for these pitchers. And probably that's going to mean some of these American League pitchers are underrated, right? Because not not only do they, you know, they have been pitching in the American League, so like that's baked into their numbers, that's baked into their, that's baked into their projections that they have, that they have done that in the past. So that's a, that's a really good point. Uh, along this, along this same topic, Ricky, um, you know, we are seeing Charlie Morton go in like the 60s, and that is a guy, you know, that's a guy we, we basically we learned to love him in fantasy, especially you know in, uh, in daily fantasy. So why, why, uh, I mean, why is Charlie Morton going so late? I think it's an age factor is that people are scared of the 36, basically in a half aged. It hasn't really hurt him. And with, you know, the greatest of pitchers, we've seen them be effective up until close until their, you know, 40s. 
I mean, Morton has quite simply refined himself as a member of the Rays. Over a 30% K rate last year, like under a 285 FIP. He's just a guy, the reason you worry about him was kind of the same reason you were worrying about Lance McCullers. He throws that that breaking ball so often for a guy who's so old, let's just call it as it is for baseball standards. Last year, 37% curveball rate. 37%. Lance McCullers was at like 40, and we really worried that that was going to ruin his arm. So a guy this old, like I think that's the concern, is him spinning off that many breaking balls at that age. Is he going to be able to hold? With it only being 80 games now, if that's the case, like I think there's much less concern about that. I think for a half a season, you could you could basically count on old reliable to make it through. So in that sense, he's definitely a value. Yeah, I, I, and I think you make a great point. You know, some of these guys we worry about, about age, we worry about injury, like that stuff is going to matter less over 80 games because, I mean, first of all, you know, if you miss a month in an 80-game season, like you're, you're just a bad, you're going to be bad for fantasy anyways, and they're going to be, you know, Mike Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, like one of those guys is, you know, Trevor Story, uh, Nolan Arenado, one of those guys is going to miss a month at some point, you know, like that, that's just going to happen. And that's going to have a huge impact on fantasy baseball. So, you know, I, I would not be as much trying to avoid injuries in drafting because it's just going to happen anyways. Um, okay. Your favorite catcher value is who? Francisco Mejia. I think this is a guy that is a little bit of a forgotten man in terms of he was a top catcher prospect. Remember he was traded for Brad hand, And this is not the greatest of stadiums, Petco Park, but Francisco Mejia being drafted outside of a starter in terms of 12-team leagues and barely a starter in 15-team leagues, like, does not make sense to me at all. The second half of last season when Francisco Mejia was given an opportunity, here was his slash line, 305, 355, 511, a 206 ISO, 127 WRC+. Like, what more numbers do you need here to show that this guy was excellent for a half of a season, and he's young? I mean, he's just 24 and a half years old, trending upwards with what I believe to be the everyday job here for the Padres. I don't understand why Francisco Mejia isn't potentially being considered a top 10 overall catcher. I know the ballpark isn't great, but people are still drafting Manny Machado. People are still drafting Fernando Tatis. And I think Mejia has a chance to surprise to be a top five overall. I absolutely love him. Yeah, and I think with catchers, you you know you don't have to sweat. Um, you know you're you're not you're not sweating out park stuff. You're not sweating out. Um, you know, like oh, I gotta get to 20 home runs or whatever. Like catcher is just such a um, you know valueless position that just getting a guy who is able to not actively hurt you in categories and able to provide you a little bit of value here and there, like those are those are guys you just have you got to treasure those guys, right? Because even like the best catchers, like Gary Sanchez, hurts you in batting average. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of catchers who have batting average aren't liable to give you home runs. So I, I like that one a lot. Uh, I love I love this uh, last player we're going to discuss here, Nelson Cruz, age 38. I have to think a shortened season really helps guys like this because they're 38 years old and they don't have to play 160 games. Like, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be 39 this year, but he hit 41 homers with 108 RBIs. It's still one of the best lineups. He still absolutely kills left-handed pitching. He still plays in a park that's very very favorable for right-handed power. Like, I don't think, especially with this, 
season being half a season, this is the year that we expect Nelson Cruz to fall off a table. I am still drafting Nelson Cruz like he was 35 years old this year because I don't see the cliff being this year. I know that's crazy to say for a guy who's 39. We almost always just assume, like, this is it for him. But I think give him 80 games, he's going to hit 20 homers, and you'll be absolutely thrilled with that. Yeah, I mean, I love I love taking advantage of some of these, you know, power hitters who are uh, a little bit a little bit over the hill as uh, as they must. You know, one I think a long off season also helps those guys too. You know, just tons of rest they've been able to train, and you know, for for hitters it's a little bit easier too train the offseason than it is for pitchers so everyone that is going to do it for us here today on the daily roto hour on sports grid tv this has been davis maddock and ricky sanders walking you through some of our pressing questions for fantasy football in 2020 highlighting some 2020 fantasy baseball values uh, hope everyone enjoyed it we will see you back uh, tomorrow everyone go ahead and enjoy your day dailyroto.com learn from the game's best dfs players we don't just give you premier advice we play every day all major sports all year round we never stop industry leading dfs tools and custom projections and now the dailyroto.com optimizer in minutes build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys learn from the game's best dfs players join dailyroto.com If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. 
And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.